Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. The season is over, but our takes just keep on coming. My name is Bill Matz. I am director of Fun and Games for the evening. That is right. Um, you know, it's over, guys. It's it's over. Uh, but we're going to keep BSH Radio going because that's just what we do around here. Let's get the show started. Why not? Let's start it with my broadcast partner in crime, Steph Licious, D. Steph Driver. Hello, everybody. I'm back. Yay! I miss, I miss you all desperately. Steph Last Liv. Week, Welcome back, Steph. I'm, I'm alive, and thank you, everybody. Everybody, seriously, thank you for all of your support and all of your kind words. On that note, fuck Radko Gudis. And I am, I'm officially calling him Radko Judas, which I've stolen from TSN, a TSN typo. It's mine now. Sorry. I hate him. He needs to go like way off my team immediately. Once I, again, Steph is correct in her analysis. I think he may have given Sean Couturier special powers. No, mm. like I there think was something that locked in his knee that when he tore it, it busted open some sort of secret mm. sack of specialness. See, no, the sack of specialness came with being promoted to the one C. And if Gudis didn't directly cause two goals against last night, then maybe they could have rallied after many, many, many egregious calls that were not called. Egregious non-calls, if you will. Um, Rakugudis. Fuck that guy. You said sack of specialness. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to... I, I we're rolling. I couldn't let that go. No, we're I, I, I remain a Rakugudis defender. He had an awful game, but I still think he's a pretty good player. Sorry. He had an awful half season, Charlie. From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. It me. So... I'm going to preempt this. I'm not going to be spending all offseason talking about the underwhelming performances of the team's key pieces. Maybe you will be. I will not. This will be my show where I talk about the series that was that was done. And I talk about the games that were played. And then I really won't mention these games basically ever again in terms of my evaluation of the players. And here's why. It's six games against a far superior team. To me... 82 games matters far more in how I evaluate these guys. And I don't think struggling in a short series means much of anything in terms of understanding who they are as players and who they are as people. Players are bad in the playoffs until they're not. And they're great in the playoffs until they're not. And all we do is hockey media slap a bunch of narratives on top of it and act like it's meaningful analysis. There are a thousand different possible reasons why Claude Giroux had a bad series. His line mates didn't finish chances. The goalie stopped 70% of the shots with him on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, which seems bad. He had a couple bad games. He got frustrated. I don't know. 
I know that he's a great player who had a bounce back season. I know that Shane Gossesbear was rightfully on, the, rightfully on the outskirts of Norris Trophy discussion before the series. I know Jake Voracek had 85 points in 82 games this year. I'm not taking anything out of their play in this series aside from the undeniable fact that they did not do a great job in this series. And that is it. Done. Mic drop. Um, I had something to say, but I forget what it was. I have, I, I have, I have take issue. I, I take issue with one thing. There is it. It's not a narrative. It's what happened. It's not assigning. Oh, it's not just making something up. Like he's not tough or this or that. They failed. The best players on the team failed them in this series. But they Claude do. Drew, a, they, they Jake do a, Voracek, Wayne Simmons, Shane Gossespierre all failed at their job for the second postseason in a row. Well, it happened. Okay, I'm first off. I also really hate the idea of stretching two postseasons. Yeah, that's into, annoying. Into oh, one across two and a half seasons of play when the circumstances are entirely different. In both those years, it's the same core. Can't stand it. Nah. Cannot stand it. First of all, we talked about this last week about the fact that a certain member of the media made some bullshit comment about Claude Giroux having one goal or whatever in his last ten playoff games. When six of those playoff games, there was a torn hip flexor, abdominal, whatever the fuck. <laughs> it was two years ago. Like, none of that. Those oh, You can't uh, mush these two things together I, and, and pretend that it's one continuous line of performance. It's not. I do not want to get rid of Claude Giroux. I love Claude Giroux. I do not want to strip the C off of Claude Giroux. I know. I will say that in the most important games, he came up too small again. See, but see, see I, I agree with that. I agree with all of that until you throw that last word in, because that last word implies that this is like a recurring problem, and it's something that like is is inherently wrong with him as a player. It's not. This is random playoff bullshit that happens. It's and not probably part of in the next continuum. series. He's going to kill it. Probably. You know why? Because he's a really good player, and really good players tend to play really well. I have an interesting thought about. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. But uh, did I introduce Kelly yet? No. The fly by herself, <laughs> Kelly Hinkle. So. You know how we talked about, uh, listen, we all knew they were probably going to lose this series. And we talked about it a bit last week that if they lost the series, but they played as hard as they could and they did as well of a job as they could have and it was a good, hard-fought series, we would be okay with it. So it wasn't that. Nope. And as such, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. So I've got things to say. I'm ready. On Friday... I was ready. Game five, I was I was ready for it all to be over. Oh, I felt terrible for the season ticket holders who had to shell that money out again because you knew exactly what was yeah, going to happen. I, I and was, that four two lead just probably led to people. No, no, no. I'm not. Oh, let's I'm go not, get some beers. I'm not. Sun, I'm not at Sunday yet. So Friday, I was ready. I was ready for it to be over. I was going to be relieved. It was going to be a weight off my back when the season ended. And then they came out. And fucking won because why? Why would this team not win? And they won hard. Like it was like they won. It was from what I watched, and I refused to watch a lot of the game. But from what I watched, it was fun, and it was a lot of the things all of the other games were missing. Mm -hmm. So of course they come out game six, and at this point I'm like, they can do it. They could. They could. They could win this game. Like they could win at home. Or they could at least take it to overtime. Like they could, they could win. They could put something together here. Maybe they could go to a game seven. Maybe this is a season of miracles. Like maybe they could do it. So already my hope is way up there. Um, and then they come out and, and it's guns blazing. And then they go up to the four, two lead. And I'm like, this, this, this is happening. Like they could, they could do this. 
And then all the wheels fell off and shit went really poorly. But even then, two minutes left in the game, down three goals. I'm like, they they could. It's not unheard of. The Penguins have stopped pushing at this point. Like, I mean, also at this point, fans were throwing everything they had in their pockets on the (laughs) ice. And it was just pandemonium all around. But in my heart, I was like, they could still do it. It's not. All they need is three goals. After that first Proverov shot, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's got something the matter with him in oh, the series. My poor baby boy. Like, he took a see? shot. It just kind of fluttered it. No, no. What you said on Twitter about Ivan Provorov, I believe 100%. Oh, my God. He's going to, like, flog he himself. he took it so hard, mm-hmm. uh, the next playoff, I don't care what anyone else does in the next playoff, he's going to go out and go buck wild. He's, it's going to go, it's, he's going to be... Duncan oh. Keith drew Dowdy esque so in the next playoff. His, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to watch his post game interview until much later that evening, when my emotions were less raw, and just his uh, unbridled devastation, where he genuinely, you can see it and and hear it. He genuinely believes they lost because of him. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, number three hid. Oh yeah, no, yeah. He, he refused to talk what I said, fuck Rako Gudis. Ivan Provorov genuinely believes that they lost not only the game, but the series because of him, Ivan Provorov. And he is going to beat himself up for the next year mm-hmm. about this until he's able to have his revenge. And, and like, that's terrifying and heartbreaking, but also watch out for Ivan. Provorov we're going to get a little season, bit more seriously. into the series. And then we're going to move on to the off season agenda. And that's what I want to, that's my thing right now, is that this is the most critical offseason the Flyers have had in quite some time. To me, it's the most critical one I can remember. Um, you know, 2011 was different because we didn't see the blow-up coming. We were just right. like, hey, go get a goalie. And they're like, yeah, we're going to get a goalie and also trade our two best players. <laughs> okay, cool. Sure. That was fun. Whatever. Uh, but th- this is the most critical offseason the Flyers have had in quite some time. Uh, there are questions up and down the roster, behind the bench, and now creeping into management. Ron Hextall has to do something to show he sees where this team is in terms of competing for a Stanley Cup. They're not that far away. But the holes that there are, they're glaring. They badly need another center. They badly need a top four defenseman. They badly need a goaltender. And if Carter Hart isn't the immediate answer, which he probably isn't because he's 19, they still need to upgrade because the players they've got are letting them down and valuable time is being wasted waiting for a 19-year-old. You can't tell me this team wouldn't be in a second, third round opportunity if they just had some good goaltending. Other things, too. They fill these holes, though. They're there. They're competing for a conference title. Now is the time to turn the corner. Nolan Patrick, Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny all grew considerably this season. Travis Sanheim and Oscar Lindblom look like they could be damn good for this team, given the proper development time at the NHL level and all the things we complained about for most of the year. If those things get fixed, those guys, boom, awesome, good contributors for for this team. There's a farm system stocked with talented youngsters pushing for jobs with the big club. The Flyers will likely have two firsts this year and have 17 draft picks over the next two seasons. <laughs> That's an entire team. Yeah. That is a lot of picks. <laughs> I want to relate what Ron Hextall has to do uh, to another team in this town that has recently turned a corner. This one's for you, Taylor. It's not a perfect analogy because of how rosters are built in different sports and all that, but the mindset is, is, is the same. There was a feeling uh, held by some in Philadelphia 
Me. That Well, mm. Sam Hinkie was probably the right man for the rebuild. He clearly was. Uh, maybe he wasn't the guy to turn the corner once collecting assets was no longer the main goal. Am I, am I not allowed to call your bluff here? What? I mean, you you hated Sam Hinkie and absolutely did not think he was the right man for the rebuild. Oh, I keep going. He was, he was right. <laughs> he was right for the asset collection. He was good at that. Um, you hated that too. But go ahead, please. Once Continue. collecting assets was no longer the main goal, maybe he wasn't the guy to turn the corner. That was perhaps unfounded, and he was never given the chance to prove otherwise. Regardless, Ron Hextall now finds himself in that position. There is little doubt he has done well drafting and restocking a completely empty cupboard of prospects, and he's got them out of salary cap hell, and that was the main goal. That's what he had to do first. That was step one. But now it is time to make a meal with all these groceries. You don't have, you don't have to stop stockpiling, but your inventory is such that you can pretty much outbid any team for any player if it comes down to that. Cap space, picks, prospects, veteran roster players with some value left, they have it all. I am not of the belief that this rebuild has taken too long. If you watch the 2014 playoffs, you knew what this team was and where it had to go to get where they're going, to get where they wanted to go. But it's time. We see, uh, we see what we have now, and hopefully Hextall sees it too. He has to do something to show he sees where this team is. And it's time to start competing because they can if he just does a couple of things. Mm. I totally agree. I'm I actually, into it. I actually, uh, I have an article coming out tomorrow that makes a similar argument. I, just, I got it done right before I got here. Scooped. I've so. I've been calling Hextall a cuck for the entire season. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I haven't heard that. Taylor I've left. said it on the show more than once. And I was I <laughs> maybe was, listen to your own show, when William. I, I rarely listen when other people are talking. <laughs> I don't listen when I'm talking. I mean, fair. fair. Uh, it's no, it's okay. time. It's time. Yeah. It's time to do something. We've been patient long enough. Much and, long enough. And it's not just. We as the fans, it's not just we as the city. I mean, it's it's everyone. And you're not, I, I would be astounded if we get another season like we just had this year out of Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux. I mean, even, I mean, Sean Couturier is in his prime, but if you're not having this season that Claude Giroux has, does Sean Couturier have the season that he does? Okay, I have a question about that for you guys that since you brought it up, I want to pose right now. All year, I kind of said. rolling. Okay, we'll get back all to right, it. All we right, all right. We have a whole hour. All right. All season, I kind of said, listen, Sean Couturier, clearly a one center in this league. Very good. But without Claude Giroux, is he having the year he's having? I realize Charlie just made the whole point. I'm not going to change my opinion about guys based on a short series. But we didn't see them split up all year. Mm-hmm. We saw them split up in the playoffs. One guy produced. One guy didn't. Yeah. It's um, not what I thought was going to happen. To be fair, though, two of those, the two of two of the three games that Drew was without Couturier, he was without Harry Philpola. Yes, that yeah. is fair. <laughs> and oh, and I, I'm not discounting that fact. However, and who was driving who along? I mean, it, it's it's up in the air. We'll never know. I kind of I didn't lean this way all year. Everyone who's like, oh, well, Sean Drew is like the case against Drew for the MVP. Yeah, Sean Couturier was like, Sean Couturier's never scored 16 goals before. He had 32. It's clearly Claude Drew. Well, where now I think it might be a little. But also, Couturier, Couturier was then facing third line level competition so it, it wasn't like that wasn't fair because he was on one leg. Uh, 
Good point. Yeah, evened it out. Good point. Even Good point. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think I think that it was it was probably even parts. But you need at some point, at some point you have to look at this team and and it's got I it's got to be this off season. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at this team and say we've got really good veterans and we don't know how much longer they're going to be really good for we have really good youth that can can get us over the hump and provide depth we need to make a splash when every other team in the division is getting better every other one except for the rangers fuck you this makes me (laughs) so happy the islanders are probably going to get considerably worse the islanders are going to get considerably worse this offseason but every other competitive team that has been competitive and then you've got the hurricanes will probably get better with better coaching well, i don't know about that the, the I, don't, I don't know what they're gonna do I the hurricanes are gonna be better for three years the, hurricanes the exact same spot might get better with better coaching <laughs> granted i've been um, saying the same thing about the flyers but like the hurricanes the devils, just keep spinning their wheels. the devils are going to continue getting better this probably. was not this was not something that was a fluke i think it was a fluke well, you and I have very, very different opinions very on the true. talent level of the, the Devils. And one of us is right and the other one is wrong. And it's me that's right. So <laughs> um, I just happen to love Will Butcher. That's why I'm pro Devils. Well, I love Taylor Hall, who's apparently my large adult son. I didn't know until this year. Surprise, surprise, son. Um, they need they need to they need to get better. And we're go- we're going to get into it later. I, I know because I've been obsessed with one of our last points here. Um, but a lot of it is going to be addition by subtraction and you've got to get rid of the dead weight. You cannot keep picking up these bullshit placeholders for years at a time. You've got to make a splash and it's got to be a valuable asset. The idea of, well, we'll just plug in Dale Weiss. Oh, well, if Boyd Gordon just takes some of the, you know, weight off of Jeru's shoulders, that shit's over. You have to just improve the team now, Mm -hmm. whether it's with youngsters or guys from outside the organization, you have to make the, uh, you have to make some sort of attempt to say, we're going to get this team better. Uh, Yeah. And you know what my thing too, and this is something again I, I talk about in the article that I that I wrote. But I'm getting tired of like I'm not even at the point where I'm just tired of watching this team be mediocre. Like whatever they're they're mediocre. I cover the team. It's fun. I, I have a great job. Whatever. I don't care. My thing is this: I'm tired of having to every year use the justifiable excuse that this team isn't very good. Like yes, objectively speaking, this team is average. But they don't have to be average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point, it can't just be perpetually two. We're going to be good in two years. At some point, you have to stick your flag in the sand and say, "This is when we're going for." It. And to to go back to Hacksaw, because I know the majority of the people on this panel do not want Dave Hacksaw as coach. the The best defense that I have of Dave Hacksaw as coach is this, which is his team hasn't been that good. So I don't know. I don't know what he is with a good team. But the thing is, is that. I'm never going to know that until you give him a good team. And if he sucks with a good team, then I know he's bad. And if he's good with a good team, then I know he's good. But as long as this team is average, I will never be able to fully know one way or the other whether Dave Axel sucks or is good. And you're just just living in this, this middle ground where you can't actually make any conclusive decisions on anything with regards to this roster because we're just stuck in this this average pit and i've been fighting against the idea because people seem to combine all these like different regime changes and rebuilds and stuff like 
Hextall's tenure started in twenty the twenty fourteen off yeah, season. Yeah. So that's when this thing actually began because the year before that, you know, Paul Holmgren's given thirty million dollars to a third pair defenseman. Like we can't include that year as yeah. part of the rebuild because that shit was still going on. But now it's and the whole oh everyone can, we're two years away from being two years away. Like that actually that actually hasn't been the case for most of this. But now you can get stuck in that. You can get stuck in that now, and they have to avoid that. I want to put a bow on the series because, like you said, I really don't want to spend the offseason talking about this shit. I, I saw your hot take was actually in, like, response to <laughs> what was. I wrote. It was. So I changed the wording of what I've had. Look, I changed the wording. I said we're going to spend all offseason hearing about. There we go. I'm not going to be talking about it. I'm just saying it's going to be talked about. Charlie, every time you put on Twitter, hey, I'm doing a mailbag, you're going to get questions yeah, about is it time to move on from Drew? This is another. Yeah. And you're not it's going to happen. We're going to hear about it. Okay. So they lost a series in six to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They had some value individual efforts you know Sean Couturier coming back from that MCL Ivan Provorov playing on that shoulder the different things they did to actually win a couple of games you know Michael Neuvert in one game goes back to the 2016 one game Michael Neuvert um but in the first three losses in the first four games of the series they're one and three and they lose the three games by a combined score of 17 to one I don't I am never the guy who says they didn't they didn't play hard enough but you can't tell me that's just the talent disparity, 17-1. No. to 1. It's not. The Buffalo Sabres wouldn't have gotten blown out 17-1, to 1, two of those games coming at home. You're on home ice. You get to pick the matchups, and you lost 17-1? to 1? That's just you didn't try hard enough. And I'll never, ever say that until right now you lost 17-1, to 1, you didn't try hard enough. Game one specifically, they did not try hard enough. They were not prepared for what the Penguins were going to bring to them. And I think that you know who this fault that is. They got outscored 28 to 15 <laughs> in the series. Uh, that's that's just completely unacceptable. Like I said, Claude Giroux, one goal, two assists. Jake Voracek, no goals, three assists. Wayne Simmons, no goals, two assists. Ghost, one goal, no assists. Sean Couture, of course, five goals, four assists, five points in an elimination game. I love you, Sean. Thank you so much. <sighs> Thank you for caring as much as we do. I mean, that's all I can ask of you is that you went out there and killed yourself for this team. Thank you, Sean Couture. Yeah. The rest of you, sample you size. really let me down. I don't care about the sample size. Yeah, I, I, this but this you, is how you win a championship. I, Come I out know. big in one big moment. Right. That's how you win a championship. I, I'm, Nick I, Foles probably isn't a number one quarterback in the NFL, but guess what? Came up, came up big in three games, and that's all that ever matters that's all that ever matters see, I, see here's uh, you know step go ahead. no 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 charlie i would prefer if you did <laughs> okay here's what I, what i always go back to with this sort of thing like yeah you go into this and you're like claude Giroux, wow he really didn't have it this series and that's fine and then you say but man sean gatari ivan Provov, they were awesome i love those guys well you know what back in 2010 we we're saying the same damn thing about claude Giroux, and back Absolutely. in 2012 we we're saying the same damn thing about claude Giroux. so if like I guarantee you in five years when the Flyers are in the first round of the playoffs and they get upset and Ivan Provorov has one point in five games, everybody will scream, Ivan Provorov doesn't have any goddamn heart. It's like, no, he had a bad series. Sometimes guys have bad series. It happens. And if they do, I'm going to criticize Which is fine. It. Just don't have that change your opinion of the entirety of it the player. He, I think he's still belong. I think he's still a heart trophy candidate. He would get my vote, but I'm biased because I like Claude Giroux. Sure. <laughs> so I think all three of the guys at the top deserve it. 
I just think that he came up way too small when it mattered most. And I understand sample size, but that's what sports are. Sports are a collection of small sample sizes. At the end, when he's second place in franchise list and points and assists, I'm going to say, awesome career, Claude Drew. But if they never win a cup, that's the first thing I'm going to remember about him. Because I love Eric Lindros to death, but you know what I remember about him? Disappointment. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not mean, today, Satan. Billiam. I mean, we're, just... ta- we're talking. Now, I, I live my life at an eight and a half, nine out of 10 drama. You're at like off the charts. <laughs> You're at like 14 out of 10 drama, drama, drama. I mean, he is a pro wrestler. They just though. blew a 4-2 lead at home in an elimination game against their biggest rival. I mean, they the deserve God. some criticism. Absolutely. No, they, they do. Play yeah. bad. They, they, they absolutely do. do. They, they do. do. Not necessarily the one guy. The, the entire team. The entire team team nobody no, hold up. on the best player is Sean Couturier the, that's now, it no no, yeah. no. he showed up the best player who was consistently facing the Penguins best players for the entire length of the series as got Steph killed said, by them as Steph said earlier Sean Couturier got knocked down to the third line and as such was facing third line competition and as such was able to blow them out of the water because he's a first line center so our first line players so, are never gonna like. Additionally, in the playoffs are always gonna be against the best players. Additionally, he was not given the tools to succeed that he had been given all season by his coach. He could have put Travis Konechny back on the top line oh, yeah, after game one, which was an absolute fucking tire we fire. Like, we he like didn't the do that. Oh, really? Konechny should have been on the top line in game Oh, one. of course he should have been. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if you want to pretend that Michael Roffel needed to be up there because of size and strength and grit and bullshit. That worked well. Whatever. It didn't work at all in game one, so you should have made some kind of adjustment going into game two, and he didn't do that. So perhaps if this team had been better coached, Claude Giroux could have found I mean this is obviously I'm, all just speculation he didn't do as well as we would have hoped that he would have I'm done I'm all for criticizing the coach he screwed up as badly as anybody and but it's just absurd is, to mean, me that if you look at the performance that this team put on the ice over the course of this series my ire is not directed at Claude Giroux it's just not. Mine he wasn't is. the worst player on the ice. He wasn't the one that was giving the most fuck-ups. He wasn't the one that lost games for the team. There's a whole lot of places you can look to, and Claude Drew really isn't one of them. Well, I'm all for it. You know, blame all the players who screwed up. Blame the coach all you want. I'm just saying, Claude Drew, Jake Forchek, Wayne Simmons, Shane Goss's pair all need to be much better. Absolutely. The one that really, the, of that list, the one that really gets to me is Ghost, because I don't know what the hell happened to him. He yeah. looked terrible start to finish every single game. Yeah, I, that, I thought I thought he was, uh, I thought he had a good game, too, when mm-hmm. he scored. I thought he played well in game two, and he like started out game three okay. I guess everybody did. I don't know what happened to him. I, I don't know if, I don't know if he just, like, more than anyone, you know, one thing about Ghost this year, and it happened a couple of times, he did seem to at times this year let frustration get to him. I'm thinking back to that penalty that he took, that ridiculously bad penalty during the 10-game losing streak where he just slashed the dude mm-hmm. for no reason because he was angry. Like maybe this just happens to him and he you know, he needs to get needs to get over it, needs think- to stop happening, but maybe he's just prone to these like outbursts of frustration. Of every one of the performances I just named, Shane's is the most concerning to me because I thought he really turned a corner in terms of becoming a number one defenseman this year. And then you could visibly see him getting, he gets a couple of shots blocked and he's a different player for the rest of the series. He just couldn't get a shot through and it pissed him off. 
He is prone to getting a little bit upset from time to time. Which, which I'm fine. Like, hey, man, like I said, if if you're not playing playoff hockey on the edge, you're not playing hard enough. You just got to do it the right way. Like, I, like, be pissed at them. Don't be so pissed that you're in your own head and, oh, yeah, I got to, oh, yeah, let, let, let Sidney Crosby just totally go in a corner and he got behind me and, oh, boom, goal. No, yeah. take your frustration out on Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that if was... you two-hand him, it's fine. I'll live with it. Yeah, that was that was interesting because that was a, that whole that whole game was weird because he had the bad shift in the first period where I think Gensel torched him twice on a shift. And then Haxel yanked him off a top pair for like a period. And then he put it, because I remember, he comes on the ice with Provorov in the middle of the second period, and then he was like, wow, Haxall's, you know, he's out of the doghouse. He put him back on the top pair. And on that very shift, uh, Crosby kills him twice. And, you know, you just, it's one of those things, like, yeah, maybe it was just a bad shift, and or maybe it was like his head just wasn't in the game because he was ticked off, he got taken off the first pair. All right. Now, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know. But it was it was weird. And I agree that Gossip Bear series was strange because it did strike me that he let frustration get to him a lot. While we just mentioned how Dave Haxtall had a bad series, let's please, please not let it slide that every time he's under pressure, he fucks up. This man is not one who can handle pressure un- oh, under any circumstances. Dave? As, as we said, don't let, you know, as Charlie said, don't let a six-game series change your opinion of a guy who you just saw, you know, for 82 games be great, like Claude Drew. Well, we've now watched three years of Dave Haxtell. He's very my consistent. Heart, my heart rate he is, is elevated, he guys. Is, he is <laughs> Stephanie, please, no. I'm cons- trying really hard not this to. This is consistently who he is, and because you run into, you know, usually good teams with good coaches in the playoffs you know they are never going to they are never going to win the coaching battle against Mike Sullivan it ain't happening and you saw it yeah players on the ice just have to be better there's probably nothing Dave Haxtall personally could have done to will his team to win this series cuz like Charlie said again they're better but like he did nothing to help him nope no. he did nothing to help him no i think that you know when we went through my last show here so i guess it was two weeks ago two shows ago when we went through the the pluses and the minuses pittsburgh philadelphia Skin tangibles uh, sure and, and back to that i just love it so coaching much. was definitely a negative yeah. for philadelphia it, it showed it, oh, yeah. it definitely showed that he's just he's out of his depth and he tried to outsmart probably the best coach in the league and just looked like a guy who just had, uh, let's say pie on his face for the entire series. And that's, that's be- me being really, really generous. All right. So let me just wrap yeah. up. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah. I, w- I want to kind of throw, throw something in here because I, I do want to make the point that because like the, the point I always keep going back to is like the penguins are better. And, and one of the things that, that does happen when you are an overmatched team is that you end up with a lot of decisions where there really isn't a good decision. It's mostly like the least bad decision you can make. Like when Sean Gatturi went out, there was not a good way to replace him. You're there. There's no real good way to replace Sean Gatturi. That being said, it did seem like Dave Haxall was picking the most bad decision mm-hmm. yeah. in those opportunities. Like, for example, I still, to this day, 
I don't, and even when I, and I plan to ask him about this in the exit interviews because I asked him about it during the series and he gave the, it doesn't benefit me to talk about matchups answer that he gave like 10 times in the series. But to this day, and I will probably never understand why he thought it was a good idea to, for the Manning Gudis pairing to be used as a second pairing in that series. Woo! Like he literally, he <laughs> juggled every pairing except for that yeah. one and kept it. And in game six, they lost them the game. Yeah. And, and, I, and in that game, were they not the most used defensemen? Like, it's very possible. Well, I mean, like granted, Provorov was on one arm. I, yeah, but, but yeah. Well, Goss's they were the second bear, pair. And yeah. He lost faith in Goss's bear. I guess to a degree that was understandable. Provorov was playing on one arm. And uh, and yeah, I guess Gouda's Manning think, probably was the most I used pair. I think so, because Goss's bear had like 23 minutes to lead the way, but like five and a half were, we're, on, late. The pen, were on the power play, right. basically. And they're probably late when yeah, they were chasing. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that's the way it went. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah like what? Haig didn't, he played like 12 minutes or something. What was the... What was the driving force behind thinking that they could hold up against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? Like I don't. They're not like, and, and, and I'm, that's not saying that Andrew McDonald, Travis Sanheim would have done great against them, but like you knew, you had to know that Grudis Manning were going to get torched. You had yeah. to know they hadn't been good since January. Right, Nobody so. thinks they're good though. <laughs> That's the problem. He, he thinks they're he good. Thinks they're good. And I not, don't know what he's watching, but he legitimately thinks they're good. Big bodies. Maybe he wants to be fired. I, you know, you know, I've had you that think he thought. He just doesn't want to maybe he just doesn't want to be here. Just I've, quit, bro. I've, I've had that. Well, does <laughs> that, he get then he'd paid? he'd have to leave money on the table yeah, if does he, he quit. Get paid? I don't if know how contracts work. He gets to take his money home. See, I don't think he has the Bill Peters check, out that that uh uh Carolina gave to him. I think that Hackstall, if he quits, he gets fired. Different story in terms of compensation. Um, Probably. I, I'm I'm kind of talking around how he might just be giving up. Like he, I, I, no, I no, really don't I, I don't think so, so either. He's not. He's not. Look, but when I we do, always I try do, to put logic to his decisions, we just go, no, he just sees shit differently than yeah. we do. No, that's the only. He, he's just. He's out of his depth, and that's what it is. And I actually, like, I do, I've, oh, boy, have I come, come, I've done a journey with Dave Haxtell. Like, I actually feel bad for him because at this point, it is, he is so far out of his depth that it's, it's sad. Like, it's sad, and it's, 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 I wish that you were better, but, um, it's it's just not it's just not happening. So now I go back to well, is this part of the tank? Like he's Hextall oh, trying boy. to tank by leaving this poor man to flounder and flop, and just do his job really poorly for a couple of years. And I don't I don't think that. So that's to wrap what's up happening. to wrap up this playoff series and before we move on to off season agenda stuff, because like I said, we're gonna probably spend a lot of the off season hearing about um, the poor performances of this team's key pieces. Um, do you think outside of Couturier, who proved himself to be the absolute man, and I love him so much, who impressed you in this playoff series? Was there anyone you saw out there that you thought, damn, you know what? Maybe they could have played him more. Maybe he could have produced a little more. But the way he played, I liked it. Is there anyone who impressed you other than Couturier? Provorov. I mean, before, I mean, aside from the third period when he couldn't mm-hmm. grip a stick, I thought he was great. Yeah. Nolan Patrick. He okay. was good. I was impressed by Travis Konechny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked, uh, I like, I like pesky Travis Konechny. It's fun. In my post game, I said, one of the things I'm going to take away from this is, damn, Konechny's made for post Oh, my God. Yeah. I love him so thoroughly. And uh, all right. The cross-checking penalty that he took unnecessary 
However, I probably would have done the same thing. After I absolutely she, would have yeah. done the after same what thing. what Sherry did, or mm-hmm. Sherry, I guess his name is no, now. No. How is Sherry going to sit there and go, what am I going for? Yeah. yeah. You just punched a guy three times. I love Travis Konechny. He is, I, I just, I love him so much. But one more thing that I want to talk about before we go into off-season stuff. I do want to talk about those goals that should not have happened. Because of the non-call and the tripping on Couturier. I just, I need to. That was a bad non-call. That was a really, really bad non-call. Let me see one more time that he hit the puck first. I need. Which doesn't matter. It It doesn't doesn't matter matter. I need to get it out of my system because the reason I was absolutely enraged after the game last night, it didn't have anything to do with how the Flyers played. It had everything to do with the series that was decided by the referees. I mean, they went over three on the power play and looked they like did. shit. They so did. They what did. would that power play have done? Probably failed. Fair, but the goal that happened immediately afterwards, th- that could have been one, maybe two goals that didn't happen. That no, didn't that's happen. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, at, least, at least the one immediately afterwards when it should have been, it should have been a penalty. Like that goal should never have counted. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That, yeah. And, and I agree that the one that happened immediately after that on the following shift, like the Flyers were clearly shell-shocked yeah. because they were like, there's how, no, how is there's, this, how there's is no this way that's actually a goal. How is this? And then the Penguins, because they're an unreal team, just immediately capitalized huh. the minute that you st- step back a second. It's an egregious miss, but like there are so many things that led up to them losing that game. Other than that, and and it was and and as you said, it was a series they were always going to lose. Or it was Kelly that said that actually they were always going to lose this series. Like we knew this. However, they could have pushed it to a game seven. Sure. Yeah. And and I think that and then one bounce, you know. Well, it was one trip, (laughs) and. And then the couple lucky lucky things that happened afterwards. And it just, it was neither one of the teams that won or lost that game. It was the referees. And I think that that is the, NF, the, the NFL. Well, here we are. What show, what show are we doing today? Uh, the NHL should absolutely be embarrassed. Oh, yeah. Absolutely be embarrassed. The officiating is bad. It's it's been bad in every they series. Just don't really, know, they really just don't know what to do. Like that, they didn't call that trip not because the puck got touched first, because that's not a rule. No, if you bring someone down around the legs with your stick, doesn't matter what you did first. No, that's illegal. Uh, it, they just didn't call it because the Flyers just came off a four on three and the tang just came out of the box. That's why they didn't call. Well, it. they also never thought that it was going to turn into a goal yeah. right away. They figure, oh, we'll let this go, whatever. And then, of course, like that's that's the thing with the Penguins. Like that whole game, it just seemed like every time they had an opportunity, to end up in the back of the net. That was the classic example. It's a classic example of a game where like every mistake is up in the back of the net. Like that pedal, that that non call happens, and the bug skitters out to Gensel, and of course he finished it. Like of course he how, finished who, it immediately. Like, how is Gensel this good? <laughs> Seriously, is he really? This good. He's not really this they good. They found him but in a like, pile of garbage. Scoring. He's, He's nice. always He's, good in the playoffs. I, I, I cannot wait until he has the Connor Sherry year of like, oh, I have to spend an entire season without Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Oh, wait, I'm a 15-goal scorer. What do you know? All right. Because so that's going to happen. Let's yeah. move on to the off-season agenda. We have like 22-ish minutes left. Um, does anyone here believe major changes need to be made? Yes. Yes. What a loaded question. <laughs> well, yes. That's, yes, why, I yes I, Well, yeah. Yeah. Same words. Same words. <laughs> We're with the same person. Uh, does, Just does, to be referred to as she from yeah. here on out. Does the anyone, girl. Does anyone believe that the head coach is going to be fired? No. no. Not a chance. Will the assistant coaches be scapegoated? Lappy better be fired. Possibly. 
That's, uh, not, that, that, that's not a scapegoat. That's someone no, who should bad. not have a yeah. job. He okay. should have been fired <laughs> last year. I mean, because we all think the head coach won't be and he should be, they're going to have to do some sacrificial lamb. And since LaPerriere is the easy one, we'll think it'll be we think No, because be I, I don't think they view it as a sacrifice in the sense that, like, we have to offer up a coach because the season was unacceptable. Because I don't think they view the season as unacceptable. Yep. Like, I think they view the losses in games three and four to be unacceptable in isolation. But... To make the playoffs and lose in six games to the Penguins, I don't think they view that as an unacceptable outcome. I think they view that as a respectable season. Not the outcome of the season so much, but since you bring it up, this is something. This is something I'll ask now. The possibility. Uh, do you think there's a possibility, given the success of the other teams in town and the visuals, the visuals circulating of groups of empty seats? We know what happens in this town, and hockey's been immune from it for a little while. That when the other teams are good, the one struggling, the one that looks like, ah, yeah, you're just not keeping up with everyone else, they suffer. When I see empty seats in a playoff game, all of a sudden I think that phone rings for Ron Hextall. Hey, bro, you got to make some changes because, yeah, maybe you think this was a success and in the the way we're viewing this long-term plan, season probably was basically what you wanted out of it. But there was empty seats at a playoff game and you lost your home games by a combined score of, what, 18 to 4? Like, Nah, we're not going to accept that. You got to do something. But those seats are probably sold, right? Like, I don't think they care if the seats are sold and empty. I could see Comcast or NBC, I guess it is now, right? Yeah. I could see them being annoyed. But I do believe that if Hextall responds to that criticism by saying, I'm going to make some big additions in the offseason, I think that's enough for them. Okay. Mm. I, I don't think I don't think they will require him to fire someone to keep them happy. But I do I, I do believe that there's a good chance that NBC and Comcast calls him up and says, like, look, we can't have another stagnant offseason where your biggest acquisition is your two biggest acquisitions are Brian Elliott and Yuri Laterra. Like well, something needs to happen yeah. in this offseason or else the fans will be pissed. That's what I think we're already seeing that. And I um, my headphones were giving me trouble, so I missed a lot of that conversation. But um, they they need to do something because Comcast is getting pissed like they were very unhappy with the 10 game losing streak. And I don't know whether they were entirely thrilled with the the playoff performance. I don't think that it's I mean, good it enough. It's not be. it's not good enough. And this is a team that has enough money and has all of the resources to be successful, and they're just dragging their asses. I don't think that they're going to be patient for very long. So we believe, uh, we all think LaPerriere has to go. He yes. should. Power play went two for 21 in the playoffs. It's his first year, and we don't really know what Knobloch has control over. Does Does somebody else... Dave Haxtall give him the list of players and say, do something with this. And does he come up with the schemes based on who Dave Haxtall says is on the power play or is he in charge of everything? Do do we, do we know? I don't know. Well, I will say I do kind of blame the power play failures more on the players because simply they had to adjust. I can't, I cannot. The way Pittsburgh pressures, you needed to move the puck faster and they just didn't. I refuse. I absolutely refuse to believe that any coach outside of Dave Haxtell thinks that Yuri Laterra is a power play player. I absolutely refuse. Yeah, yeah, that did happen this year. (laughs) Yeah, it sure did. I forgot about that. I absolutely refuse to believe that anybody else is looking at Yuri Laterra and being like, you know, you know, we really need you on special teams. Well, you see... He likes to shoot the pucks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, With his eyes closed. The, the, the reason why I'm not 
like in the like fire knobloppy as a bad playoff series is, is this from the power play. If there's one thing we know about the Flyers power play, it's that it's streaky. Like it's been streaky forever. And he, even the years when it was a top five power yeah. play, it was still streaky. And as much as it sucks, I think what it boils down to is they happen to be one of those bad streaks yeah, when just, they hit the playoffs. It looked like the way they were executing. There was no way they were going to score. The weird thing, though, that they did they change. They moved the puck so slowly. It, was, it wasn't even that. Because, like, whatever. That's, that's execution. That's just a matter of the players. Yeah. They did change the power play structure. Early in the bit. series, after game one, game one, they went with a normal one, three, one, which they always do. Game two, they switched to basically a double net front where you had Katuria on one post and Patrick on the other. And in game two, it worked. That's how Patrick got that great goal with the between the legs pass. Ooh, that, was something. that was nice. The rest of the series, it did not look like the players were comfortable in it. And it's fair to critique them and say that, you know, because I, I asked Hax all this, I think, after game four. Four, uh, maybe after game five. I don't remember exactly, but I basically asked him about the change, and he said, well, we've used that tweak on occasion in the season, so it wasn't totally new, but it was pretty new. They mostly, like, th- that was something where maybe they throw it in for, like, the last 20 seconds of the first minute of a power play just to show a mm-hmm. new look. It wasn't their base look, and you wonder, like, was that a case of them overthinking the situation? You're already struggling from a chemistry and execution standpoint, and now you're going to change up the entire structure so that everyone's out of their comfort zone? Like, maybe that was an overreaction. I don't know. But I, I think that's a fair critique to make, because that that was weird that they changed the entire... Granted, then when Couturier was out, they had, then they lost their guy in the middle, so they really couldn't even go back to that. They tried Raffle there, but it did seem like they were trying to... As as few changes as they seem to make at five on five, they seem to try to make a lot of changes on the power play, and neither strategy worked. There was a uh, there was a contingent of fans who believe the Flyers would be best served to trade Jake Voracek. Oh yeah, that was a thing today, right? It's been a it's thing. It's been a thing. It's been a thing for quite a bit of time, and I have for most said, of the season. I feel like I have it's always been a thing. said, you know, I. I'm not married to anybody. I think it would be really, really stupid to trade Sean Couturier, and it would be really, really stupid to trade you know Ivan Provorov, but I'm not married to anybody. I'll listen to offers. Um, Jake Voracek, another playoff disappearance. He's got a high cap hit, lack of a no movement, no trade clause. If you could, say, bolster one of your other areas of need, would you listen to it? Yes. Would you consider I would listen it? to it. I'd listen to but it. But it would have to be for a player who can make an impact on this team now and not just futures. It would have and to I'm, be both for me. It, I mean, yeah, it would have to be both for sure. But you would. I think the, the roster piece for now is the most essential part of that trade because I'm sure you could get some great picks and prospects for him. But that doesn't help us now. And like Charlie said, if this is going to be the point at which we say we're going to start doing this thing. We can't just get futures. Oh, yeah. I have no interest in futures. No. In this. This, yeah. this is a I want Dougie Hamilton kind of thing. Uh, uh, Sean Monaghan, but okay. Yeah. Any, something <laughs> something that improves one of your areas of need. Yeah. Listen, top I'm four, obs- top I'm, four defense, top center, things like that. I'm, I'm ready for the Sean Monaghan era. Let's do this. I really like Jake Voracek, and I would not trade him away easily. However, it's fair to say that when you have a guy who is 
in his late 20s signed for another five years that takes him past his prime, you can never rule out the possibility of trading him before he starts falling off the cliff. Like, it's never something you can rule out because everyone knows how the agent curve works. So I I would never say that I would not trade Jake Voracek. The reason why I said for a long time I wouldn't trade Claude Giroux is because he's got the no-movement clause and that immediately cuts down on the market. Voracek doesn't. So yeah, if there's an opportunity out there where you can make a hockey trade that makes your team better, maybe makes your team younger, you know, get yeah. gets a guy who's, you know, either as good or better or could be better than Voracek, but is five years younger and matches up better with a timeline of guys like Patrick and Konechny and whatever. Okay, I'm cool with that, but I totally agree with Kelly in that you don't trade him for futures. Like, if, if yeah. Yeah. Th- this is not like, I don't, yeah, if they offer you three, three first-round picks, like, yeah, maybe that's good value. I don't think it fits with what the Flyers need. No, it. it's not. And, and like, realistically, I, I don't, I don't want to move Voracek because he is one of the biggest point producers on this team. But if you're going to bring me back a Leon Dreisaitl, or if you're going to bring me back a, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm obsessed with Sean Monaghan. So let's just (laughs) go with that. Or a, uh, William Nylander or something, someone that's young fits a need and is going to put up points right away. I'd listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think if you can fill, one of your needs, and it's a guy, like Charlie said, with the potential to maybe not even outproduce Voracek, but have a similar impact. Like, Dougie Hamilton wouldn't outproduce Jake Voracek, but... Well, now I want William Nylander. I want a lot of Same. Guys. No, if I want Ryan <laughs> O'Reilly. I want a ton of players. No, I don't want Ryan O'Reilly. Um, Wouldn't hate that. Wayne Simmons. Yeah. The Wayne Simmons question has been going on for a while. Uh, he will be eligible for a contract extension on July 1st. He hasn't scored a goal since in the playoffs since his hat trick in Game 6 against the Rangers in 2014. You know what worries me about Simmons? I feel like we missed the window of maximum value. That training. worries me as well. I mean, we probably did, but I don't think that... It'll the, go down. I don't, I, don't think the, yeah, I don't think the value will be like falling off a cliff. I think mm. they would still get a lot back for him if they tried. Thomas Tatar did get a first, a second, and a third. That's true. <laughs> there they, is they, that. They get more than that for Simmons. I would yeah, hope they would absolutely really get... They, they probably is, get something like, like what they got for Braden, I think. Yeah, I think uh, so just too. hopefully without the Yori Laterra. Yeah, yes, no, yeah, no anchors, that's another, please. That's no another thing is no more of this. We're going to take a bad contract right, I'm back. Not, I'm not doing any no more of that. I would be cool with that. I real honestly, I would be cool with that if the Flyers didn't have a coach who was going to play. Who was going to play them? Yeah, because that, the idiot, that's a major this issue. idiot plays them and plays no, them when, big minutes. When Brandon Manning is clearly signed as a seven, and then you use him as a five. All right, well, this, a four. Yeah, really. a four in the yeah. playoffs. We have got this some is a problem. problems. We have got some problems. So I think that Simmons, Simmons, for all of the good things that we said about him this summer, they still exist. Yeah, they do. Um, but I'm very, very frustrated with Wayne Simmons. I know that he's playing hurt. I know that he's playing hurt, sig- like significantly hurt mm-hmm. to the point where I wish he wasn't playing because you're more of a hindrance than you are a help. However, that's not my call. Um, I think he's gone at the, at the uh, draft. I so, just love him so much. I know. I love so him, too. Ob- so I love him, too. They need to move on. Like, dearly. And whatever team, whatever team he gets traded to, I will buy his T-shirt. Like, <laughs> I will buy it. Not a jersey because I'm a poor person, but I will buy his T-shirt because I love him dearly. But I think he's gone at, at the uh, the draft. I, I do want to respond yeah. to that or that point that you made Steph because I do I, I saw it on on Twitter a lot over the last couple of weeks really the last couple of months about essentially Simmons shouldn't be playing 
I I get the thought process behind it, but to be totally honest with you, if I'm Wayne Simmons and I'm doing the calculation in my head and I'm saying, you know what, I'm 65%. I'm hurting. I can't do nearly as much as I normally could do. And I'm still a lot better than Dale Weiss. Oh, well, well yeah. So, so, but, but, like, that's the thing. Like, that that's who would come into the line if yeah. Wayne Simmons said, well, I can't play. They've had, they've had Taylor Lear just sitting around on his hands. I mean, he's still not Wayne Simmons, but he's better than Dale Weiss. How much? <laughs> Some, Enough that I would, ra- I would rather him. I'd rather I'm him, saying, yeah, because I just have a personal vendetta on, against Dale Weiss. On the handsomeness scale, he is much closer to the more handsome than the Dale Weiss. And so, I don't even, I don't even want to tell anybody who's listening the, who is the most handsome flyer. The age-old question. Save it for the office. of uh, yeah. the age-old question of what's going on between the pipes. They can't possibly come back with Elliot Neuvert, can they? Well, yes. I think they're gonna. I believe I they can. It. Yeah. I think they're they gonna. Can't. I think they're no, gonna. No, I think they can. They simply cannot. They're, no, but they are going to. They because definitely can, though. Elliot is not bad, and Neuvert just won them a game. And, and he won't start hold on, 20 games hold next on. year. Can we get back to, to game six? Because why wasn't he pulled? At, at any point in time, actually, after, really fair like, point. Why wasn't he pulled? He Should gave, up, he gave up seven goals. What's yeah. the difference? I, I, but like maybe after four or five, you pull him. I, I guess it was probably How because many, it was a high what? score. It was a high scoring game. The game was close. Like usually, you pull the goalie, and gra- like most of those chances, they were pretty much unstoppable. That was well, probably the thought process. And it was like the game's close. We don't need that momentum changer by yanking the goalie. And then when when the, the floodgates really started to open up, the game was over. over. Then yeah. it's over. So no, it's like why bother? But I'll, still, I'll sit here and blame Dave Haxtall for a lot. I don't. I just don't care because <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't care. Neither goalie was going to stop a shot at that point. They gave up what five I unanswered mean. goals for the second time in the series. Put, like neither goalie was going to. Goal. Sta- fine ghost is really good put ron in goal i really don't funny. give a shit like it didn't matter no one was gonna stop a shot once the floodgates open i think but I there's think no they, way they can do this I, again i yes. think they're doing it i think that mrazic is gonna walk yeah they have to let mrazic go his his tender number is over four he didn't even dress the last yeah, he two didn't games. dress for the playoff yeah you, you lose also, a draft pick if you resign yeah, we him. hate him so he's gone <laughs> the, I, to me elliot's definitely coming back neuvert is the question neuvert because is the question I got the impression prior to him coming back in his playoff series, he got the impression they were basically done with him. Yeah. That their thought I can't process believe was he played another game. Their thought process was basically we just can't trust this guy to stay healthy. And then I believe at the end of that series they decided we really can't trust Morozik. Yeah. Elliot clearly is a shell of himself after the surgery, so let's just throw this guy out there and see what happens. And it worked in game five and game six it didn't, but I don't know if any goalie would have stopped those shots. There's a chance that they may have just decided that we're done with Michael Neuver. We can't trust him. And if that's the case and they trade him, you know, then then you get in some interesting options. Do they go out and do they trade for a goalie? Oh, boy. Like, like you know, Kelly, you, you put this in the outline and you kind of laughed at it, this, this Philip Grubauer idea. But, I mean, if you could work out a trade where you flip Neuver back to Washington with a draft pick for Grubauer, like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Neuver to Vegas like for Malcolm Subban. Oh, no, they wouldn't get rid of Malcolm Subban. No. no way. They love him. He's a backup there. They love him. Yeah, a lot of people love a lot of things. They <laughs> love him. Uh, Taylor, just, Taylor hasn't listened to the whole show and just looking at me like, you're a professional. I really... <laughs> That's your analysis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love a lot of shit. I, I sure. like Thanks, the Bill. idea. I like the idea of Grubauer. Um, Depends I, on what it would cost, I see, guess. See... 
It, yes, yes, it does. Um, but I can't have it be. Well, I was gonna say I can't have it be a super long contract. But at this point, I don't give a fuck as he's, long as it's only one goalie. He's, that's under he's contract. an RFA, so yeah. you have some flexibility in terms of you know, like he kind of has to sign what you sign him to. Mm. Like it, you know, love indentured servitude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's negotiation there, obviously, but in the end, he's restricted free agent as long as you qualify him, which they would if they traded for him. You know, theoretically, they could have him on a one year deal. Does now, anyone I, have? We assume they wouldn't want to do that. Does anyone? They does, could. Does which anyone gives have some leverage? The score to the Caps game. Up? Oh, they yeah, they Caps won. won. The Caps won. The Caps yep. won, and the Leafs won. So the Caps are advancing, so the Caps... and the Leafs and the Bruins are going to game seven. I'm going to get to watch a game seven. All right. Yeah, so man. Say, it's going to be good. Say the Caps. Um, get killed by the penguins well nope that's probably gonna happen. i'm not ready to live in that reality i'm just saying say it happens no can nope. we can we move on to the rest of the flyers no, i stuff? have a question i want to ask yeah I'm, I'm curious as to how you're getting left. back to this flyer stuff so go ahead bill get there quick say the caps lose round one and blow it up Braden holpe or round well, two they lose for a third year in a row to the penguins in round two Braden holpe has two years at 6.1 million left on his deal he'll be 21 he'll be 29 in december you interested I mean, sure, if it doesn't cost that much, but it'll probably cost a shitload. No. Say it costs a bunch of first-round picks. Then no. No. Not doing it. If, if it, Maybe if it's one first-round pick, I consider it, because then you have Holtby as your starter next year, Hart's his backup the following year, and then Hart jumps into the starting role in year three, three years down the road. Yeah, I'd be cool with that, but I'm certainly not emptying out the farm for, for Holtby, no. No. Bilpala, Latera, Weiss, Manning, Gudis, McDonald, the... Uh... Our group, our group of favorites there. I'm going to be honest. Are we going to have fucking preparing myself for one or some of these idiots to be back? Well, I think, oh, I think yeah. a good portion. Well, I mean, McDonald obviously is McDonald's going to be back. Weiss, I don't think they can trade. Gudis, I think there's a decent chance they trade, but I don't think it's if guaranteed. If Gudis ever shows up again in a, in a fly. You, no, no, I'm ending it right there. If Gudis ever shows up again, I'm punching him in the face. I'm doing it. I'm gonna. I'm going to take on Racco Gudis, no matter what jersey he's wearing. I'm doing it myself. Use I the, believe in you. Use the Biaxa Superman punch. That seems to work. <laughs> Bring <Okay>. a sword. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Philpola, they're not resigning. Philpola, right? I think is gone. It just, I feel. Like I it, don't have any confidence that they're not resigning Philpola and they're not resigning Manning. I don't have the confidence that they're. The Brandon they're, Manning is the one that I have zero confidence they will not be resigning because <laughs> because logic says logic says Brandon Manning cheap seven D. Yep, and he knows the organization. Organization. We know what we're getting out of him. It's not much. Cheap 7D. The problem, Dave, is Dave. I just don't. I feel like if they were going to bring those two guys back, they would have resigned them. Yeah. Already. Like me too. even with Belmar, they resigned him at the trade deadline. I just, I don't. I feel like they showed their hand. Maybe they'll right maybe now. they'll clarify at the exit interviews, kind of like they did with Delzato last year. Where Delzato flat out said, "Like, look, Ron told me they they have spots for the kids, and Moran's ready. Basically, if he's healthy, Myers is close to ready. Maybe that's how Manning gets pushed out." And Philpola, like it's it. I guess it's plausible he could come back because there isn't a clear person to jump into the three C role. But again, they just they never resigned him yet, so I don't think he's coming back. It just wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't make any sense to bring him back. Nope. Uh, we Slatera, any chance at buyouts here? Slatera might burials. get We I think, is is here. Do you think he's, he's here yeah, I think he's in Philadelphia? Yeah. I, not yeah. in Lehigh Valley. Yeah, I don't think they're going to wave him. They'll, they'll probably leave him in the, in the press box. But he's, he's, got, in the he's press got two box, years really left care. on his deal, yeah. so probably yeah. next year he'll be uh, he'll be the, the Yuri Letera of the team next year, and then the following year maybe he gets parked. Matt Reese. The Yuri, the fourth, the fourth seed. 
Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> but no, he'll be the guy who fans yell at because he plays too much yeah. because you need veteran. Well, we've been there before in with the Dale third Weiss. year of his deal when you've scratched him more over the first two years. Like, yeah, yeah we're actually going to play him in year four. <laughs> um, okay, so we don't have a ton of time left. I just name me one guy you would like to see them target. Trade, free agency, whatever. Name me a guy. Mike Paul Hoffman. Stasny. I wanted Stasny. Stasny was my say? guy a couple of years ago. When I when I saw him on this list, I was like, oh, oh, that's who I need to be my three C. Like we need a three C. Paul Stasny. Mike Hoffman. Oh. oh, that's a good one. Mike Hoffman. I want Mike Hoffman. Thanks, Kelly. You're welcome. <laughs> I want Tyler Bozak. Really? Yeah. Is that just the Toronto connection? No. It's because in 24-7, he was playing NHL with Phil Kessel, and it made me laugh a lot. Okay. <laughs> I respect that. That's fair. See, but he would be a 3C, but also Paul Stasny would be, and Paul Stasny He would better. be better. My yeah. concern with Stasny is that he's slow. Yeah. That, I mean, he's, he's good, he's, but he's slow. He's expensive, too. Yeah. He's, he's a little older, and as much as I then love he's Couturier. He's the same age as Tyler Bozak. As much as I love Couturier, yeah, as much 32. as I love Patrick, if they were to add Stasny to that, that's you don't have a ton of speed down the middle. It's all right. Just bring that's us uh, not, John Tavares. You're not wrong. I, oh, I, yeah. I, John Tavares. We'll just get John oh, Tavares. No, Tavares fine. is the... That's who everyone wants. Yeah, that's who I, I mean, want. If, if, you're, if you don't want John yeah. Tavares, you're an idiot. Yeah, if you're a Flyers fan, you're like, no, we can't get John No, you throw it. Like, if John so, Tavares calls you up on the first day for agency and says, hey, I want to be a Flyer. Can you get it done? It's like, fuck yeah, we're going to try so to get it I done. Actually, I like your idea, though. I want to get into that for just for a second. I know that we're running out of time. I know that we're actually out of time, but I want to just dig into that because there is a contingent of people that say John Tavares doesn't fit with this team. And to that, there's a contingent of people who think the earth is flat. Well, yeah. that is very fair. Like that. I, I just want to say like that is ridiculous. Watch it be flat. We're it, all wrong. Well, no, <laughs> I also I think, don't. but like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous because you could slot. I mean, you just had Sean Couturier's the three C in the playoffs. You could, if, if John Tavares had the stick so far up his ass, it was like, I need to be the one C. Make him the fucking one C. Yeah, that's fine. Put Sean Couturier as two C. Put put Nolan Patrick as the three C, and uh, that's a really fucking good team. Or like I always you know said, I'm, don't number your lines, and you just get yeah. over that. Oh shit. my god! Just get over that shit. You have three really good lines. And, don't number them. The end. You know what I think is a big like. Just to real quick, I think that a the big problem is I think I don't think that people fully realize just how good of a spot the Flyers are in cap wise. Like I think they're no, thinking they, like, oh, John yeah. Tavares yeah. won a fuck ton of money. We don't like. They think that that's gonna like blow out the Flyers cap, but Ron, if one, if yeah, if Ron has like done anything million, well, yeah. it's it's clear out the cap space, and they could throw a lot of money at John Tavares and still have a lot of money left. And over. the reason that you clear out the cap space is to use is it. to get yeah, John that's, Tavares. That's yeah. why we created it. all right. this cap space so we can go out and do something. Even even if even if you were to give John Tavares ten million a year, even if. You've Which, got another ten million yeah. to play yeah, with. You right. still have money, and that people I think are most concerned about like a Proverov extension and a Konechny extension. You still have the money. You it's do. Still, you Bill's idea. There. Bill's it's got the best idea. I there because I love chaos. Really want to offer sheet Mark Stone. Yes. I like Mark Stone. We, one, we, rescue that poor man from Ottawa. Well, that's two, why I like Mike Hoffman. Two, they won't match Never. it. Never. They're yeah, they cheap as shit. They won't match it. We mentioned that on one of the shows. Which was it? Ice sport? It might have been ice sport. Yeah. yeah, they won't you match. Can, you can offer sheet 
any of the Ottawa yeah. Senators mm-hmm. right now, and they're not going to match. Yeah, some, someone needs to offer sheets. Yes. It has Let's to happen. Just embarrass that, embarrass that organization yeah. into being forced to sell. I'm with And you. also get one of the best two-way forwards in the game, offer sheet Mark Stone. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for joining us throughout the season. We will continue to bring the bring you this show throughout the offseason. We'll have all sorts of fun offseason content for you. I'm sure we'll be doing live Q&As on Facebook or something to Ooh, offset the post games. We'll be doing some sort of shit like we did. Uh, Patreon content will continue to go up. Thank yeah. you for supporting us. We couldn't do without you, BSH listeners. Have a great week. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.